Welcome back, everybody, to the BME Grad Podcast. We're your hosts, Grace and Allie. This week, we have the pleasure of chatting with one of our old classmates, Philip Summers. Philip graduated from the Joint Program of Biomedical Engineering from the University of North Carolina and NC State back in the spring of 2019. He currently works as a software QA engineer at Fujifilm Medical Systems USA. Listen in, we have a great episode ahead. Philip, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us this week. Hi, Grace. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, thank you for having me. It's been a while since we chatted last. Currently, you work at, uh, at Fujifilm Medical Systems USA. How has that been going? What does Fujifilm do? Yeah, good question. Um, so Fujifilm is a like massive global company, really. Um, Fujifilm, a lot of people know like their cameras and film, but then under that umbrella, there's also Fujifilm Medical Systems. And so a lot of their focus is imaging devices. Um, we do a lot really with like endoscopy, diagnostics. And there's also a different division called Fujifilm Diosynth that's more pharmaceuticals. Um, my division within, like even further within FMSU or site Fujifilm Medical Systems USA is called FMIS and that's informatic systems and so we work with radiology and cardiology software okay. so it's called a it's called PACS PACS uh, which stands for picture and Ar or picture archiving and communication system and so that's really our main product and all of our other products are uh, basically kind of like spin-offs of that um, and that is basically the main software product that radiologists use to like look at all of these medical images and analyze and dictate them whether it's like an x-ray or a mammogram ct scan etc does it pick things up in the images or is it just kind of a way of organizing the information um so kind of both so well i mean there's like the actual like if there's like a ct scan there would be the actual scanner which isn't handled by the uh the software system obviously but then that data is then sent to the pack system and so um we have like ai plugins that will like pick up um if there's like a small tumor or something and then it will just like highlight it to make it easier for the radiologist mm -hmm. um, but a lot of it is just for them to be able to view it view all these images and then uh like make their notes that are then put in medical records. Gotcha. And so who, who's the customer of that type of software? Is it the company building the, you know, scanner of sorts? No, or? so it would be directly for the hospitals. Okay. Um, so like hospital administrators will purchase it for their radiology departments to use. Gotcha. Yeah. So whenever we have like customer issues, that's when we're talking directly to hospital systems. Right. The hospital systems, not like physicians. Is it like, it's like yeah. admin level. It's not like, you know, gent doctor to company kind of like medical sales rep kind of a thing. Yeah. Right. It's, it's very uh, admin level. So it would be, I think really the whole like entire hospital system, which could be uh, multiple hospitals will purchase like our product for their entire system. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. And then, so within within, uh, you know, Fujifilm Medical Systems USA, within all of those products, are you assigned to like a specific product? 
like a specific imaging product or is it just, you know, all the imaging products for different projects in general? Yeah, so we have one main product that's called Synapse. Um, actually, for the first year that I was with Fujifilm, I worked on a smaller kind of like stripped down version of Synapse that uh, we called Enterprise Viewer. And so um, that one was a lot more miniature. It was designed to be used on mobile devices. So just simpler, just quick viewing, not as many complex features. Um, but for the last year, I've been working on our main product, which is um, Synapse. And that's what the actual radiologists will use day to day. Okay, well, that's cool. That's kind of nice mm -hmm. that you can like focus and kind of become like SME subject matter expert expertise on one product and kind of get super into the weeds on that. Yeah, it really was. I definitely felt like an SME on my old product um, mm -hmm. since it was smaller and we had a smaller team, but we really like knew all of the different areas for that one product. But now, um, I mean, there are, there are several different iterations of this product. And I think there are probably like six different teams that all work on the same product, just on different areas. Um, so I've kind of jumped around between teams too. So I'm kind of just picking up a lot of experience in different areas of the same product. So it's been interesting. Yeah, that's kind of nice. Keeps it interesting, new, new learning avenues. So that kind of brings me to my next question for what is your actual current role? You know, you've been switching between teams and everything. What is your current role and what is it, what is it like to be a software QA engineer? Yeah, so I switched between teams, but my title and main role and like responsibilities have stayed the same the whole time, um, or generally at least. So software QA engineer, um, some people also call us like software test engineers or like verification testing engineers. Um, generally, I do verification testing on our products and make sure new features are implemented according to our design requirements and then make sure that like old features aren't messed up while we're implementing these new features. Um, so a lot of what I do, I like to explain it that I basically just act like a radiologist every day and I just interact with it because a lot of what I work with is more user facing and it's less like servers and like coding. A lot of it is really like user facing. And so I'm just using the product like a radiologist would and seeing what issues might come up. That's kind of, that's cool. Yeah, kind it of is be able to troubleshoot, but then also put yourself in the physician or technician's role and, and see how that would would do for a patient. How is that? How is the training for that? Because I mean, we didn't get trained on that in undergrad. So I'm sure it was a lot of on the job training. Yeah. yeah like, did you shadow <clears throat> radiologists? No, I actually I, th I think that would be a really interesting thing to do. Um, yeah. We have we do have a lot of people that are more on the clinical side. So we have like clinical validation testers and they are more like, they work with radiologists and know exactly what the radiologists want. Whereas I'm more verification side. And so I'm more of making sure that our design criteria are met. Um, and so we kind of have to like meet in the middle of like the clinical validation testers might say, oh, well, we need it to scroll faster. Um, and then like the verification testers are in charge of like making sure that we're meeting those scrolling speeds. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So it truly is like testing. Yeah. Testing and, and trying to find any of those bugs. Mm -hmm. so is it project based then? Or is it like, um, like what's the structure of your work, I guess, like in a day or in a week? So it really depends. Um, 
Sometimes I'm doing more of like new feature validation, which is what I'm doing currently. Um, so that will be where uh, we have a new feature or we call them new user stories, kind of like under the subset or a subset under a feature. Um, and so I will look at those design criteria. Um, I will look at maybe like FMEA or some of our quality documents see like the associated risks for that feature and what I need to be looking out for. And then sort of some of it is like I come up with a testing plan, but some of it is also just like exploratory testing is what we call it. So a lot of just getting creative, um, looking into like so many different possible things that could go wrong with the product. Mm -hmm. um, and then sometimes we are in the regression testing phase. So that's when it's a lot more uh, just regimented they're like you need to complete one or two test cases a day so we i just like basically just plug and chug um which can get monotonous but it's it does like help that i'm working on so many different aspects of the product sure yeah yeah so that's a little more planned out where it's like i'm given a test case that i need to execute i make sure everything's okay and i do a little more exploratory testing and is that kind of like given to, are these things that you, you, you're in a diverse engineering department team where it's an overall project and, you know, this department has this role, this department has this other role, or is it kind of handed down to your department altogether? And then from there, your manager breaks it out to different people. So I would say the main, the main unit that I work with, we call it a scrum team. Okay. Yeah. And so while I have like, there's like a QA testing department and I have a QA manager, the people that I really work with are the scrum team. And so that's made of a few people from the scrum QA department, a few people from the system QA department. And then we also have all of our developers. Um, we have a developer lead and then a QA lead. And then we also have a product owner who is more of like clinical marketing type. And then we have a scrum master who gotcha. is just in charge of like day-to-day -day planning and keeping everyone on schedule. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So how, how did you find this role? How did you get into this position? Yeah. So senior year, I wasn't completely sure uh, which um, field within BME I wanted to move forward in. Mm -hmm. um, I really, I applied to so many different jobs. Um, but what happened with this one is a recruiter on LinkedIn reached out to me and um, just like, I didn't even apply for the job actually. He just like came across my um, my profile and reached out. He's He actually said he was French and I studied abroad in France. And so he was like excited to talk about that and then said something in French and I had no idea what he was saying, <laughs> but I Google translated it and then yeah um interviewed and got the job so yeah okay. so he's uh he's with the recruiting agency so i was hired through them to work for fujifilm okay what's something that as a as an undergrad as a fresh grad what's something good to know when when applying to a recruiting agency if anything yeah it was definitely like um i was kind of intimidated at first because mm -hmm. It was just something new to me. It wasn't really what I was expecting um, in terms of like employment types. So I think I like called my dad or just like 
I mean, yeah, call someone who Make knows sure a little bit more. Scammed, yeah. Yeah, I know. I literally, I was like, is this a scam? Like, yeah. is this sketchy? Um, but it really is like a lot more common than you would oh, think. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's so many recruiters on LinkedIn and uh, different companies will just use different methods to employ people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm a contract worker. Um, they basically told me they were like, put Fujifilm as your resume. Like, you don't need to say that you work for us, but we give you your paychecks. Um, and then I originally had like a 12 month contract, but they just automatically renew it every month. So I'm not technically like a full-time permanent employee, but I like I'm permanent until they decide to fire me or I leave or something. So it's like any employment, any at will employment. Um, yeah, practically it's the same. It's just different technically. Is the, yeah. is the compensation package and benefits structured differently than maybe at a, another company? Yeah, so actually, good, um, good point. So I'm actually paid hourly, which is a good distinction. Okay. And then another thing is that even um, at my company, there are different recruiting agencies that offer different like benefits and packages. Uh-huh. Um, so like some don't get PTO, but have benefits, some don't have benefits but get PTO and some don't get either mm-hmm. yeah okay. so it really depends um if you're thinking about doing contract work then I would definitely make sure to ask a lot of questions um read over the contract don't just skim it and sign it that's not mm-hmm. a good idea and you can also that's negotiate for any job but especially contract yeah. work. <laughs> yeah <laughs> everyone definitely. reads your contracts please and make yeah. sure that you know what you're signing if they ask you to sign an NDA but, or not a non-compete, not an NDA, a non-compete. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, and you can also negotiate. I remember there was something that I brought up to my dad and I was like, this looks weird. And he was like, yeah, I don't like that. Maybe just see if like they can take it out. And the recruiter was like, so happy to take it out, honestly. Like they want you to get hired because oh, nice. if they hire you, then they'll also get money. So yeah, it really... They were like, he was very helpful. Um, so that was nice. I kind of felt like a, I had like an advocate. Yeah, that's also yeah. encouraging, like as an undergrad graduating and getting into the job market that you had successful interactions for negotiations. So, okay, so it's technically a contract work and now you're at Fujifilm and everything and your role uh, interacts a lot with other engineering departments, a lot with other QA systems and everything. Overall, if you had to pick like two items, two qualities um, for an undergrad, who would do really well in this role? Is it Hmm. people that love coding, people that love troubleshooting, people that love documentation? Yeah. All of the Um, Good question. I think if there's like a BME undergrad who loves coding, you're probably like several steps ahead of a lot of people that start out here. Mm -hmm. Um, I really didn't even do that much coding coming into it. And honestly, a lot of it still isn't coding. Mm -hmm. Um, Like a lot of my days, I don't code at all. I might like read the code for a feature. Um, But if you want to move forward into like automation testing or writing scripts and stuff, coding is uh, invaluable there. Um, So definitely, if you're, yeah, if you're into coding or just think you're interested in software, uh, definitely worth checking it out. Um, also, I think my boss likes hiring um, BME 
uh, majors, mm-hmm. not because it's necessarily like the skills, like a lot of skills I learned in undergrad don't need. I know that's a lot for um, like a lot of roles. Mm-hmm. It's just like on the job training. Yeah. Um, but just generally like the medical experience and the engineering way of thinking, uh, being able to troubleshoot things, being able to think about risks and um, assess them and see what's like the highest priority risk. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's good to know. Um, Prior to this role, when you were still in undergrad, you went through the mentorship program at Teleflex um, while still in the program. What was that experience like and, and how did that shape finding this current role, if at all? Yeah, that was, um, it was a really good experience. I really enjoyed it um, and would recommend it to current undergrads. Um, Before that, I didn't really have, I like worked and used BME skills uh, in a lab at UNC, but I hadn't had like an actual like medical device internship. And so that was really my introduction Mm -hmm. into industry. Um, And so really like the, the experience that I got there was invaluable, even if it was just like, being in an office for that long and just getting used to like being in that environment but then also learning more about the different types of roles um that definitely shaped me like the types of roles that I was looking for um and because there's so many yeah there's so many different types of engineer even in um, medical device companies that just it's kind of overwhelming as an undergrad because you don't know what everything does yeah, and every company has like slightly different jargon for the roles and yeah. how, it's, how it's structured and organized a little bit differently. So absolutely, yeah. I mean, just having an internship or two or, a, you know, a program or anything to get you into industry to see how it is. And that's, the, that's you know, that's even aside from the program itself. So how was mm-hmm. the program itself? Did you guys, did you work on like respiratory devices? Did you work like cardiac unit or was it kind of spread all over as an intern? What was that kind of like? Yeah, so it actually is, it definitely is different from like the traditional internship since it's a mentorship program. Um, I was assigned a mentor who, it actually worked out. He was a service engineer, but then moved into regulatory. Um, So one of our like main things that we did was shadowing our mentor. I think my mentor felt bad since I was more interested in engineering. And so he kind of just like let me shadow a bunch of different engineers, which I still really enjoyed because I got to shadow like electrical engineers, like R&D, service, um, so many different kinds of engineers and learn from that, um, as well as work with him some in regulatory and see what that was like. Do that, do you feel like that helps with the onboarding process for your current role? Or at least maybe, I mean, I'm sure it helped with the intern interview. I would say it definitely helped for the interview. Just honestly, I mean, just being able to like know what things are. Oh, sure. Yeah, um, speak the language, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. As far as onboarding, I feel like the main onboarding hurdle in my current job was just getting used to the product. Um, okay, yeah. But I mean, maybe that is because I was a little more familiar with some of the more regulatory side. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a separate regulatory department, but at least I was able to like understand those terms. Um, and so I was able to then focus on learning the technical skills instead. So yeah, I would say it's helpful. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say is like a key, was a key takeaway from that program? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I'd say maybe one is, um, so actually kind of like the main thing that we did is uh, we like just, we picked a product that we wanted to look at in some um, business unit within Teleflex and we focused on that. Um, so for mine, I've, I picked a vascular access device. Mm -hmm. And so um, I had meetings with like the R&D engineers, I had meetings with regulatory and quality um, and learned a lot from them. I went through like the design history files and stuff and was able to just really like take in all this information and then think of one aspect that we could potentially improve on. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, so that was really like one of the main things I was interested in with um, like developing an R&D uh, for medical devices. And so um, that experience was definitely valuable. And then um, putting that like into a presentation and like all of the presentation skills were really great. So what's next uh, for somebody in the role you're in at Fujifilm? Like what's the career progression, I guess, maybe next five years, where would mm -hmm. they go from there? Yeah. So um, from a software QA engineer position, um, one of the main steps that I guess you could take is moving to a QA lead. Mm -hmm. um, I think your, your title would still say the same, but you would be like the lead QA engineer for a scrum team of um, probably like eight QA engineers, maybe. So you would be like the team lead for them. Yeah. So that would be one step. Um, other than that, there isn't a ton of like upward mobility, I guess, in the QA department. Um, but there are like different steps that you could make. So maybe if you're interested in automation or security testing, then you could move to those. Those are um, maybe kind of lateral, but definitely a lot more technical skills involved in those. Mm -hmm. um, and then also there are some people that have moved into our solutions delivery team. And so those are sort of like field service engineers um, they're going to these hospital sites and working with radiologists, making sure um, everything is fixed. And if any issues come up, if they can either fix it in the field or escalate it so that we can fix it um, internally. Mm -hmm. Or there's also clinical validation testers. And so those work with radiologists as well. So I'd say all of those would be um, like a step forward if you want to stay in this company or in the like medical software space. They definitely encourage people to um, move to different areas within the company that fit their interests because mm -hmm. um, there's always going to be a need for, uh, they're really focused on automation, especially. So they are always wanting people to get more into that or more into like the field service aspects. Cool. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us about Fujifilm Medical Systems USA and what it means to be in a QA software engineering role. Um, I thought it was something pretty different. So yeah, definitely. thanks for clarifying that. Good to see you again. Yeah, Phil. yeah it was great to speak with you. And uh, yeah, happy to share my experience. The BME Grad Podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For more information on the BME Grad Podcast, visit bme.unc.edu. Right now, you can find that information under the News and Events tab. If you can, please subscribe or follow and leave a review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.